The Scouted podcast is brought to you with the support of our friends at Skill Corner, whose tracking data and performance analytics are used by many of the top clubs, leagues, and federations around the world. Covering a wide range of global competitions, Skill Corner's data helps customers to make faster, better informed decisions in recruitment, player development, and strategy. And we are now using it to support our own analysis of up and coming talent. For more information, visit skillcorner.com. Hello and welcome back to the Scouted Podcast with me, your host, Joe Donahue. Today I'm joined by Football España editor Ruri Barlow, the leading English language resource on Spanish football, uh, to tell one of the more intriguing and layered stories of the 2023-24 season across Europe. It is, of course, that of Girona, the club who spent the overwhelming majority of their existence outside the top flight in Spain, but are currently going toe-to-toe, joint on points with Real Madrid at the summit of La Liga, beating Atletico very recently and Barcelona back in December in thrilling contests, playing exciting, effective football and doing it all with a supporting cast of young, exciting players. Um, Ruri, welcome back to the Scouted Pod. Um, for those who don't follow Spanish football as keenly as yourself, what's this year been like to, to cover? Yeah, uh, thanks for having me back on again, Joe. Always a pleasure. Girona, yeah, it's weird. I mean, they were kind of a really fun team to watch last season. They were very um, enjoyable to to just kind of watch. And I think every game involved kind of two or three goals, basically. And they were always kind of a good side, but you knew that they had kind of some defensive frailties and perhaps didn't have that quite, that little bit of quality that they needed to finish off games. And then this season, they sort of started off very well. And then as the season's gone on, you you kind of keep expecting it to fall apart. You expect something to go wrong. You expect somebody to work them out. But yeah, like you mentioned, they just beat Atleti 4-3. Um, they'd recently kind of beaten Barcelona 4-2. And against Real Madrid last season, I mean, it was a bit of a nothing game, but they beat Real Madrid 4-1. So, I mean, they've managed to put four goals past the big three in Spain in the space of the last kind of 10, 11 months. And it, it's really, it is remarkable what they're doing and it's I think all the especially the English language journalists are kind of uh, pinching ourselves and thinking do we have a Leicester could we have a Leicester Um, (laughs) because that would obviously be insane yeah absolutely I mean it would be an incredible story and and just to sort of bring everybody up to speed on on Girona a little bit of background Um, as I mentioned you know they're second in La Liga 15 wins this season from 19 Um, I mean 15 wins at the halfway stage of the season is remarkable Uh, just the one defeat um, that was to Real Madrid. And they are the top scorers in La Liga this season with 46 goals uh, from those 19 matches. And, you know, you look back at their recent history and as as recently as 1999, um, they were they were in the fifth tier, albeit for, for just one or two seasons, I think that, that was. Um, but, you know, still in the fourth tier in 2007, um, the third tier of, of Spanish football in 2008. And they were only promoted from uh, the, the Segunda División um, the second tier in Spain, uh, via the playoffs in 2022. So still relatively new fish in, in La Liga, even though they, they did have those uh, couple of seasons back in you know 2017, 18, those years. But I mean, this is only their, their fourth year in, in, in the, you know, the modern La Liga, the modern top flight. Um, so that just kind of puts things into perspective. And it would be remiss to not mention the, the majority shareholder, the 47%, is City Football Group uh, as of August 2017. Um, but again, that would be 
doing them a disservice by saying it's purely a, a CFG funded uh, enterprise. Um, they, they with the with the manager Michelle, um, with the the squad of players that they have that we're going to go into. Um, they are doing really really well. Um, and I mean, punching above their weight is is probably doing them a disservice because it is uh, it's really really impressive. Um, it's not been as simple as spend spend spend. Um, is is what I'm trying to say. Um, but yeah, the, the the board chairman at Girona is Pere Guardiola, brother of Pep. Um, and beyond that, I'm not too clued up on on sort of the the I don't know the the upstairs makeup of of how Girona operate. Is that something which you could maybe shed a, a little bit more light on, Ruri? Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting. I mean the City Group, it's always going to be kind of thrown at them. It has to be said, and every time I tweet something out, or every time anybody kind of praises Girona, they get back, well, it's the City Group. I'm not surprised. It's uh, it's to be expected essentially and I, I understand that there is a skepticism and it's kind of my natural position as well but if you speak to kind of Kike Cartel who's the sporting director he's been in charge a decade coming up this year Delphi Heli who's the president as well they're people that didn't have anything to do with the city group beforehand they're people that have been in charge before the kind of Pere Guardiola takeover really started to institute changes and what they've said is that it's not money and it's not necessarily access to players that's really been the big difference for us. What they've given us is kind of professionalizing our structure. So day-to-day um, training, ensuring that the kind of infrastructure at this club is as professional as it can be, taking kind of learning from what City do in the Premier League. And and that is obviously an advantage. But, I mean, it's also not something that isn't done elsewhere. I mean, clubs elsewhere do go to other teams they go and look at their facilities managers go and look at other managers training and and take tips from them so so yeah it's not been kind of a a city group takeover and in terms of spend 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 i mean we'll come on to the salary limits but they are spending about 18 percent of what real madrid have access to spend to and and yeah it's similarly ridiculous figures for for atleti and barca and so so yeah it's what they're doing is a medical achievement and they may have a link to the city group, but it's certainly not the driving force behind what they're doing right now. Yeah, of course. I mean, you're talking there about the, the links to, to players and the links to, you know, expertise and having that, I don't know, um, that, that, that link that allows you to, to tap into that. Um, and yes, they have, you know, they've got Savio in on loan this season from, from Estac Troy uh, in, in France, who are, also part of the city football group umbrella um obviously one of the the, the defenders is eric garcia who was at at uh, manchester city as well and went back to barcelona so there are of course links but you know that would be to ignore the you know the the other players in the squad who maybe those who ha- have not had any sort of link to, to city you know your artem dovbix the big ukrainian striker who's i think the third top goal scorer in la liga this season um you've also got victor sihankov the, uh, the the wide player who I mean long time listeners of this podcast will know how fond I am of of him and um, and how pleased I am that he's having a fantastic season um, <laughs> collectively at, at the very least at the top of La Liga um, but you know just looking at, at the the team in, as a whole before we get into the the individual elements you know I, you, you were talking at the beginning there Ruri about could we potentially have a Leicester on our hands you know how, just how far can they go because you know. <sighs> Yes, winning the title is unlikely, even though they are keeping pace 
with Real Madrid after 19 games. Um, I think at the very least, though, a first European campaign, even if it's not the Champions League and they do drop off a bit, first European campaign in the club's history does look nailed on. Yeah, I mean, I've been grumpy and cynical and saying for a couple months now that they won't make the Champions League. They'll fall off the second half of the season. They will get knocked out. Real Sociedad have been playing brilliant, brilliant football. Athletic club are having a really great season. But now, I mean, we're kind of coming up to mid-January now. I'm finding it really, really hard to argue with that. They've got a 10-point gap to Athletic club. They have had their Christmas break and they don't seem to have missed a beat there. They've had a couple of injuries. Yangel Herrera has gone down. Um, they've been missing a couple of defenders and David Lopez, and they don't seem to have really missed the beat at all. So they are facing this adversity, and they're still going to have a week every week to prepare these games, which the big sides don't, which the majority of the other teams kind of competing for that Champions League don't. And so, so yeah, that 10-point gap is pretty large right now, and you'd have to say the chances are probably that Atleti miss out on the Champions League more so than Girona because... I mean, Atleti are level on points with Athletic Club. You've got Real Sociedad, who are just three, four, uh, three or five points behind them. I do think there's a, a really significant chance that they end up in the top four at the end of the season now. Um, Michel did say after the Atleti game, there's no way we can compete toe-to-toe with Real Madrid. It's just not possible. The resources, the length of time you have to be that consistent for, it's an understandable comment. But right now, there's... For six months now, they've been the team playing the best football in Spain. I mean, they level on points with Real Madrid, but they're playing better than Real Madrid. And even that one defeat against Real Madrid, first 15 minutes of that game, Girona should have been one or two goals to the good. And you never know, a goal goes in, the game goes differently. I think they found themselves a little bit kind of up against it when you had kind of Bellingham uh, picked out an absolutely obscene assist um, in that game. And then uh, Chouamini comes up with a header about 10, 15 minutes later. And that kind of really dampened it. And it was hard to get back into it for them. But it's a team that's competed against the big sides ever since they came up. And Michel has shown that even though his team has been playing kind of like this for about seven or eight months now, other sides are struggling to work them out. So, so yeah, long may it continue is, is my view. Yeah, we'll get into the, um, the 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 individual elements of this Girona team then. Um, and coming from the scouted perspective, you're obviously thinking, um, you know, you're under 23 players, you're, you're up and comings. Um, those who are maybe not on the radar as, as much as your more established players. Um, but looking through that squad, you've got a blend of really experienced 30-somethings uh, and then those up and coming 23s that I'm talking about. Um, you know, you've got the likes of David Lopez and, and Daily Blind, uh, at, at centre half, um, which is, I mean, a fantastic uh, launch pad to go from. I think it's <laughs> fair to say, um, especially considering that a lot of people thought Blind, you know, when he went back to Ajax, was was maybe not cut out for the top level um, at, in in Europe's top five leagues anymore. But it goes to show that you know, with a good coach, a good structure, good setup, and dropping back, he's he's doing very well. Um, you do have Eric Gostier, as I touched on, um, but there's also Miguel Gutierrez as well, the young left back. Uh, who was signed from from Real Madrid for around €4 million Euros in 2022. Um, now, I can't say I've watched an awful lot of Girona this season. I've only been able to catch highlights. But uh, FB Ref, the, the statistics website, they have him uh, down as playing a similar style to Teo Hernandez. You know, is that something you can see? You know, is he... Is he more of a wing back? Is he more of a full back? What is the, the function that, that Miguel Gutierrez performs in this in this team? Yeah, he's a funny player because he went when he came through at Real Madrid, he was kind of 
the classic left back. He was kind of gets to the byline. He's pretty quick, but not kind of rapid. Um, he would, he had a good cross on him. He was, he was very, very kind of solid in defence as well, but not necessarily perfect. And the Teo Hernandez one, I mean, I'll admit equally, I've not seen huge amounts of Teo Hernandez. But what I think about with Teo Hernandez is kind of these lung busting runs down the pitch with kind of nobody able to keep up with him and just kind of battering through these defences. Whereas Miguel Gutierrez, the thing that's stood out to me for him from him right now and this season is he's just a really good footballer because he's kind of taken on a role where he's the underlapping fullback. So he'll come inside, he'll be an extra midfielder and he'll get into the box at times too. He doesn't mind taking on a shot. He doesn't actually play at left back physically that often these days because he's kind of so in and about the pitch. I mean, he will get beyond Savio, but it does tend to be Savio on that left wing and he is the width. So it'll be Miguel kind of moving inside. He'll come a little bit deeper. And I think the fact that you've got him alongside those midfielders as well, it's a little bit of pace in midfield. It's somebody that's physical that can kind of keep up with anyone who's going to be in and around that area. And that gives them the ability to kind of shut down those counterattacks. But yeah, with the ball, he's underlapping a lot. He's kind of coming inside. And you saw that in its most devastating form against Barcelona, where that kind of inside lane. He had Savio kind of pulling someone out to the left and just nobody could pick him up. And he, he does brush through that midfield very well and often kind of will get into in at the back post as well. So he's, he's quite a versatile player. I think he's a player that probably didn't expect to be not only playing this role, but able to play this role. And it's it's real credit to Michel, the manager, who saw this and foresaw this and worked out, OK, I've got this fullback. I want to kind of invert my fullbacks, but I want to have a little, an extra body in that midfield because I want to give Savio that wing space to himself. And Miguel can do this. I, I have a player that can do this when probably, yeah, not many other people would have believed in it. Yeah, I mean, he's Miguel Gutierrez is 22 years old, um, so still very... I mean, relatively inexperienced in terms of age, but, you know, has come through the, the cantera at, at Real Madrid. Um, and... Yeah, has, has, has established himself as a as a bona fide starter um, in that in this Girona team, um, and you know we've been hearing a lot about inverted fullbacks, inverted wingbacks, and you know the the sort of style that that um, Pep Guardiola likes to use at Manchester City with um, with fullbacks, you know, coming inside and using that space. So what you had to say there, Rory, was uh, particularly interesting from a sort of a, an Anglo-centric. Um, <laughs> view on, on on things and and where potential transfers may happen, but um, on to sort of the next member of this Girona squad, the, one of the up and comers, uh, even younger, just twenty years of age, Arnaud Martinez, uh, a right back by trade, ex Barcelona youth team player, um, and again, you know his st- statistics saying he's a good passer, uh, a decent creator, um, but in addition to that, you know he's not one dimensional. He's he's also a high volume defensive player, which typically you don't tend to get as much with um with teams that are at the top of the table naturally because you're dominating possession more you're creating more chances than you're conceding um but yeah i mean what's martinez been like this season um you know where has he predominantly played you know how does he how does a young player like this fit into the structure yeah he's an interesting player as well he's a player that i i really like and i'm doing myself quite a lot of service here but i kind of relate to him because i don't think he's necessarily <laughs> the most uh, technically gifted player but he's really smart and he, he uses his brain well and and what attributes he does have he maximizes a lot this season i think he's kind of 
been forced to sit on the bench quite a bit because of the former Jan Kauto, who will perhaps come on to. But mm. he, he's a player that used to be a centre-half. He got played as a right-back in Segunda. And he's he was a centre-half that came through at Barcelona. So he was good on the ball. He was able to kind of control the ball, pass it, set the defence, kind of go through midfield a little bit. But again, with Michelli, kind of gave him a bit more license to roam forward. And what we saw last season was more of a kind of orthodox fullback pairing. And the fact that you had Miguel or Javier Hernandez, and they would kind of go outside a little bit more. They didn't have Savio then. And Arnau would be the one that would come in a little bit. And so I think with Savio's arrival, Miguel coming inside, Arnau's kind of been a bit of a victim of that because Cauto gives him a little bit more width. But in general, he's a player that isn't the quickest, but he is tall, he is strong, he knows exactly where the ball should be played, and he has a decent cross on him. So that allows him to kind of come inside again, to be kind of that extra midfielder. He's got that height, so he doesn't mind charging into the box either. He's a lot of kind of useful attributes, and I think if you've got a real flying fullback on the other side, now is that perfect kind of third centre-back kind of fullback. He appreciates the space, he appreciates when to go and when to stay and where that kind of superiority needs to come from, especially if you look at it kind of in the in the context of Girona last season, he was he was really good and he was kind of tipped to move to Atleti, to Barca. There was a lot of teams kind of talking about him. Nobody eventually went for him. And I think he's still raw. I mean, this is probably his third season kind of playing in professional football, really. So he's still kind of coming into his own a little bit. But... If there was a standout performance last season, I think it was against Real Madrid at the Bernabeu where he shut down Vinicius. Vinicius at his kind of peak, really kind of troubling the best defences in Europe. And and Arnau was able to stick with him, not particularly because he was pacey, not particularly because he he necessarily had the natural attributes to, to deal with Vinicius, but because he was smart about the way he went. He didn't let him get started. He got very close to him and kind of when he was receiving the ball without being able to face the goal. And then he gave him a little bit more space. He, he He's very, very smart. And that's what I, I like most about him. And I think that's why he'll ultimately have quite a good career because he's got the brain to play at the top level, in my view. Yeah, I mean, the, the reason that I bring Arnau uh, up before Jan Kuto, um, who has played more on that right-hand side this season, um, is because of the, the the obvious geographical links. So for anybody who isn't aware, Girona is also a Catalan club. You know, they are very, based very close geographically to Barcelona. Um, you know, how, how much do you feel as though that, that Girona have benefited from, um, you know, from the Barcelona Academy? Because, you know, you look at Arnau as, a, as an example. I think he's played over 100 or just around 100 league games at the age of 20. Um, you know, he's played, I think it's you know, 30 games in one season, 40 games in the Segunda the previous year. Um, you know, he's he's somebody who is, despite his age, quite, quite experienced in terms of appearances. Um you know, do you get that from, you know, farming La Masia graduates, or is that something that you know has been has been fostered and, and honed under Michel? I think it's it's much more recent because you ha- you mentioned kind of Girona being a bit further down the leagues in until kind of recently, so that was obviously a factor in this, um, and so La Masia talents generally would go elsewhere. I think with Arnau, there's a there's a decent chance. And I actually think it's probably going to work against them. I mean, Oriol Romeo was poached from them in the summer by Barcelona. Um, you've got Paul Victor, who's another striker who's in the Girona Academy, is now on loan at Barcelona. Um, Atletic, and I think they might, they definitely have a purchase option, whether they exercise it or not. But yeah, I think it's something that Girona, they'll try to kind of fight for those kind of scraps that come off La Masia when, 
when those players kind of get let go or released. And it's it's a role that you've seen Espanyol kind of take on in mm. Catalan football is that Barcelona will come over and kind of cherry pick what they want from Espanyol quite often. And Espanyol will probably take on the players that have a little bit something to prove. Didn't quite make it at La Masia initially. Ferran Jutgla, who, who's a kind of a player he's playing for Brugge now in Belgium, player I quite like, not the most technically gifted, but he kind of, yeah, he was at Espanyol. He's a real fighter. He had, had a lot of grit about him. And, uh, and yeah, he was kind of signed up when he was about 17, 18, when he was captain of Espanyol B and ended up making a few appearances for Barcelona. So, so yeah, that link, I think it's something that Girona will probably try to capitalise on a little bit more now, to, now that they have the profile, now they're in La Liga. You've got the likes of a few players that they've been rumoured to be looking at in Barcelona Athletic as well and, and trying to kind of maybe poach them in the future. But yeah, historically, it's not something we've actually seen. And I think they'll be trying to muscle in on Espanyol's territory more than anything. Yeah, and, and speaking of obvious links and you know transfers between clubs, um, we get on to Jan Koto, who is 21 years old, uh, the right back, uh, who is on loan from Manchester City. Um, and you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to work out how that how those negotiations will have gone. But it's his you know, second Girona loan spell. He's also spent time at Portuguese club Braga. Uh, and I think he's got five La Liga assists this season. Um, and, you know, he's he's a... I mean, you think of Brazilian fullbacks and you, you immediately think, OK, Cafu, Roberto Carlos, Dani Alves, Maicon. You know, you've got this incredible pedigree, especially in La Liga, for, for those types of players. What, what sort of role has, has he played this season? And what do you think... His, his future potentially holds. Yeah, he's a he's another creator. I mean, if you've got Sabio on the other wing, then Kauto is now the width on the right-hand side. I think he's nine goal-creating actions this season. That's seventh in La Liga. He's sixth for progressive passes received as well. So he's getting the ball kind of in that final third and making things happen, essentially. He is a player that was on loan at Girona before. And I remember watching him and thinking... He's obviously got technical ability, he's got talent, but does he have that kind of little bit extra, that kind of mentality, that grit to play at the top level? And uh, I had my doubts, and that's partly why Arnel Martinez was playing for them last season, because Calto never really quite showed the know-how. But in a side that's dominating, in a side that is kind of tails up, is kind of going forward and being ambitious, it suits Calto much more. And you see that, again, not to reference too much that Barcelona win, but it was kind of a historic event a kind of Catalan cataclysm if you if you want to call it that <laughs> and uh and yeah he he picked up the ball in the right back spot kind of glides past Joao Felix and then plays a pass that takes out the entire Barcelona team sets up Girona for their first goal so he's a player that's offensively minded he's technically gifted he's a fullback by trade but in that kind of Brazilian trade uh Brazilian kind of tradition he's much more defensively minded than he is defensively and he's happy to move inside as well he he doesn't mind kind of coming inside if somebody Sihankov being a an example kind of drifts out wide then he'll come in and make the superiority and it's it's something that's going to come up quite a lot but yeah the interchangeability of these Girona players is is what has made them quite so difficult to stop and Kauto is he's a key part of that because he can beat his man as well he's got good cross he's Still a little bit erratic, and that will come with age. I mean, he's he's got pink hair. He's not afraid to kind of express himself. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, he's a really really exciting player. It has to be said. And and I I kind of remember him coming through when he was seventeen eighteen. I think it was at the under seventeen World Cup, and he was making waves. People were kind of talking about him 
and he kind of drifted off the radar for quite a while after signing for City. But yeah, now at Girona, we're starting to see exactly why he was so highly rated. On to the uh, the youngest of the, um, the the spotlighted players that we're going to cover uh, on this week's scouted pod at Girona. Um, that's Savio. Briefly touched on him before, saying that he is he is on loan from a, a city football group club in France. Um, but you know, 19 years of age, five goals, five assists this season. Um, you know, he was somebody who I was briefly, um, yeah, a, a little bit aware of. Um, you know, w- with his time on on loan at, at, at PSV Eindhoven. Um, again, was exciting but raw. You know, end product perhaps wasn't there. Um, again, was only 18 years old, and you know, you you see that obvious CFG link, and you think, well, okay, this is a you know somebody who you should keep tabs on, even if they're not showing it right now. I didn't expect him to to be pulling up trees as he is at Girona. Um, but obviously, the style is really helping him. Um, and. Yeah, he's been he's been a, a real revelation in La Liga this season. I think it's fair to say. Um, what is your 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 view and what's your reading of of, of Savio been? Yeah, it took about the grand total of about two games. I think for anybody who watched Girona in those first two match days to realise that they had something special on their hands. He's just so quick and, and so hard to stop. I mean, he can go inside, he can go outside. He doesn't necessarily have. A set move I mean he's got different things that he does but he's, he's very happy to kind of take what the defender gives him in that sense and I think that that's what really makes him a, a classic winger because he he yeah he has that kind of backing of himself and he doesn't mind he's, he's got tricks he's got kind of a step he can drop his shoulder he can cross it he's re- he's really hard to stop and as a wide player he's that archetype that you really want and you can you can certainly see Manchester City wanting to take him on in the future Credit to you for being aware of Savio. I had absolutely no idea <laughs> who he was before he signed for Girona. And I was kind of looking at that left-hand side of their team and thinking they could probably do with somebody else to this summer. They could probably do with signing somebody else because they had Sigankov on the, on the right-hand side and he kind of dominates that territory. And then you wanted somebody else to kind of really match up with that. And Savio was that player. And the credit has to go to Michel again for... And Kike Garcel, the sporting director, for seeing that and saying, right, okay, we're going to play him from match day one. We're going to give him a shot. We're going to really kind of give him a chance to shine here. When, yeah, he was kind of an unknown 19-year-old Brazilian, didn't really have a shot at trial or at PSV as far as I'm aware. I mean, I, I I think it's very hard to judge these players, obviously, when they come in and they're still adapting, but he's been through kind of two, three countries in quick succession to kind of get the best out of him, to get it so quickly is really impressive. I mean, he is still raw teenage player. Uh, Michel had a, a toque de attention, as they say in Spain. He kind of uh, clipped his ears earlier in the season against mm. Real Madrid. He said he was taking all of the wrong decisions today. He didn't play how he normally plays. He, he needs to kind of focus on his game and not the occasion. But uh, but yeah, in general, he's been one of the most unstoppable wingers. Well, I mean, he leads the league for successful take-ons with 50 so far. So that tells you that, yeah, he is the hardest winger to stop in La Liga. And that, that kind of sums him up at such a young age. He's got so much room to develop too. Yeah, he's been, I mean, certainly from the highlights I've watched, the, the take-ons is is the, the standout element to his game. Um, and especially, you know, at 19, to be able to be executing them, never mind, you know, attempting them is is really impressive in a, in a top European league. Um, so, you know, fingers crossed he goes from strength to strength. Obviously, I mentioned that he is somebody who is on loan from from Troy in, in, in France. 
Um, what is the what's the sort of the, the verdict from sort of the Spanish press from from Spanish football fans about Girona? I, I wouldn't want to say leaning on on City Football Group for loans, but they are utilizing their link at the at the very least. You know, what is the the verdict on that? Because you know, you see in other in other countries where teams have these um, these partnerships and, and affiliate links with with clubs, and you know, the the, the fans of others are not so fond, shall we say? Yeah, uh, that's certainly the case in Spain. And yeah, sorry, Newcastle fans, sorry, City fans. But yeah, there's very much a kind of a, an anti kind of um, very rich owner uh, dynamic. And and yeah, it's certainly whenever there's a, a 1 billion release clause, as you see kind of put in, sometimes it's it's named a clausula anti case, a kind of uh, anti-shake clause in their contract, <laughs> um, which is quite a detail. But, but yeah, I mean... I think with Girona, because as we were saying, it's not as if they've been spending too much. I mean, their record transfer is eight million for Dovbeck, who we'll come on to, and um, because they've not necessarily been that successful, the players that City or the City Football Group have been loaning them or, or kind of giving them access to in the past, they're not really in competition with City. I mean, it, Yangel Herrera was always kind of, I mean, he was at New York City. Tati Castellanos was there last season. These are players that were part of the City Football Group, but were never kind of shining lights. And and even still, I mean, you look at Tati Castellanos, he's gone to Lazio, he's not really having a good season there. Jan Galerera has been in and about Spain, he's been to various different clubs, never really been a success anywhere else. So, so yeah, these are players that weren't necessarily a success. And now it will be interesting to see the dynamics, see how that changes perhaps with City loaning players that could be useful to them, to Girona, or buying players from Girona that could be useful to them. Whereas before, there was such a gap in the market and Girona were spending so little. I think it didn't really register. And given the kind of domination and Real Madrid and Barcelona are no angels in this cipher. So I think everyone who has kind of a, a little bit of kind of uh, agro or morbo against those kind of big two is happy enough just to kind of see Girona being successful. And because of the football they're playing, it's absolutely outstanding. So, mm. You know, speaking of that football then, um, Michel... The, the the manager i think he's around 47 48 years of age so we might uh you know what i'm going to say he's, he's he's a scouted manager there he's under he's under the 50 mark um so we can we can discuss him on that um he is he's somebody who um is a bit of a promotion specialist i think it's fair to say um promoted with with Huesca in 2020 um he was promoted before that with with Rayo Vallecano um having um progressed from uh, academy manager to then first team boss um he won promotion with them in 2018 and then in 2022 now with Biz Girona. Um, and I, I think I'm right in thinking he's not a coach with a, with a CFG background, you know, like we see quite often, um, you know, with uh, lots of, I don't know. I mean, you'd say Mikel Arteta, for example, is a, is a coach with a CFG background or, you know, the, um, oh, I can't remember his name now, the Pep Guardiola's former assistant who then went to Maresca. become the number one. Yes. Yeah. 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 Maresca. Um, of course, at Leicester City. Um, what you know with Michel? What sort of style has he has he got this team playing? It means that you know you've got your veteran Spaniards in this squad. You've got Indali Blint, an, an, an aging Dutchman that many thought was past his best. You have got teenage Brazilian wingers. You have got a pair of Ukrainians. You know, taking their first steps in a major European league. All of them seem to be coalescing to to great effect. You know, how much do we put this down to Michel? A huge part of the credit has to go to him. I mean, 
Girona, I think we're we're on track for success before Michel. I mean, they'd come kind of very close to getting up in the playoffs before Michel got them promoted in the playoffs a couple of times. They'd been, I think it was two or three times in a row, they'd lost in the final of the playoffs. So, I mean, they were doing kind of reasonably well before them. But in terms of the football they're playing and in terms of the kind of the basis of what he's given them, they probably pursued managers of a kind of ambitious ball-playing style, but never quite to the extent of Michel. And Michel... You mentioned that kind of promotion spe- specialist. He got Cuesca up, he got Rayo up. And whenever he came up, it was just a little bit too gung-ho. You kind of got the sense that, okay, he knows what he's doing. He's capable of putting these really kind of entertaining, kind of uh, aesthetic teams to watch together. But can he can he instill that kind of extra bit of competitiveness into them that they need to kind of be successful, or in Cuesca and Rayo's case, to stay up? And it wasn't there. And so when he came up last season... My big kind of argument was Girona have got the quality, they've got enough players, they've got a goal scorer in Kristen Stuani, they've got Tati Castellanos, they've got these players. It's can Michel make that adjustment and kind of adapt himself to La Liga where the football is a little bit kind of, you get more you get punished more easily than you do in Segunda. And and yeah, it's, it's, it's been fantastic to watch. I mean, I think with Michel, again, he's not necessarily your orthodox kind of elite manager either. So I'll, I'll be interested to see if he does kind of go on to kind of these really big jobs because Pep Guardiola, Mikel Arteta, they have an ego about them. They have they have a little bit of a kind of something about them that uh, they have their kind of their ideals and they, they want things to be done in a certain way. Whereas Michel, he just comes across as a very nice guy. He's not particularly physically imposing. He seems pretty relaxed. He's quite softly spoken. He comes from a barrio called Vallecas, a, a neighborhood called Vallecas in Madrid, which is kind of merc- uh, pretty working class. It's pretty kind of humble beginnings from him. And he was obviously manager at Rio then. He was very well loved at Girona. He's really endeared himself to, to the locals there because, I mean, it's a small enough town. It's not really a football town. And he's come in and he's learned Catalan. And for a... Madrileño for somebody from Madrid to come in and learn Catalan is is basically unheard of. It's I mean, <laughs> the, there's a bit of a rivalry between the two cities as it is, and and let alone to kind of bridge that gap. I mean, from that moment, I think he was always going to be bedded in well. But that kind of goes you to show the kind of character you're dealing with, and and yeah, beyond his football, I think what stands out to him is is the way he's willing to kind of listen to his players. He's he spoke earlier in the season about how he used to kind of be a bit more gung-ho with his pressing. He used to ask his players to really be very aggressive with that and, and very aggressive with the ball. And he was saying earlier in the season that I kind of had like a, a realisation that when I was a player, I was kind of scared of pressing that high because I know I'm leaving 20, 30 metres behind me in terms of space. And I know that I'm risking myself looking a little bit silly. So he's made those kind of adjustments. He said that one of his priorities is to ensure that his footballers are always comfortable with what they're doing and always comfortable with what he's asking them to do. And so you see a Girona that does press, especially after losing the ball, that they play quite a high line, but also they're, they they will drop back a little bit deeper at times and they will defend a little bit deeper depending on who they're playing. And and you kind of saw that against Bar- Barcelona where they murdered them on the counter-attack. And, and yeah, um, his work is is outstanding. And I think regardless of what happens from here, he's nailed on for manager of the year. Yeah, absolutely. I think when you look at the, I mean, what was it, a fifth of the budget that um, that Real Madrid are operating under, and Michel's got them, at, you know, 
going pound for pound at the top of La Liga. I think that's that's pretty fair to say, uh, pretty nailed on that he will be. Um, I do remember that I just glossed over one of the players that uh, that you said you wanted to, to discuss, a 24-year-old. Um, Rory, take it away. This is this is one that you, you've you really got a, a burning passion for, isn't it? Are, are we talking to Ivan Martin? I think we are talking Ivan Martin, yes. We, uh, we might need a different podcast, but uh, but no, he's <laughs> he's my favourite player um, for Girona, I think, because he's, uh, I mean, he's, he's been asked to be described by his teammates as desconocido, unknown. He's, he's not really kind of a big name player at all, didn't really come with a, a big reputation. He came in from Villarreal for, he was on loan last season, came in for about two million in the summer permanently. He's a player that's just, he's so unselfish. He moves basically in function of the team. So you have kind of two kind of more defined midfielders in Yangel Herrera and Alex Garcia, who kind of, Alex Garcia is the director of operations. He's the one that kind of pulls the strings, directs kind of where the ball is going to go. You have Yangel Herrera, who's a bit more of a physical presence. He'll kind of bomb up and down, get into the box, break things up in midfield. And Ivan Martin, basically depending on where the game is, what the opposition is, who they're playing, who they're up against, um, what Michel wants them to do, he basically moves in function of that and he becomes the extra attacker, the extra defender, the extra midfielder, the extra option out from the back. He, he's just everywhere and uh, he's, he's so hard working. He's neat and tidy on the ball. He's got a little bit of a step. He can kind of beat his man in, in tight spaces. He's pretty accurate with his passing and he's just an all-round really, really good footballer. And again, a player that doesn't necessarily stand out to you, but if you kind of watch him, you kind of understand a lot of what Girona are doing. And and yeah, if I can uh, wax lyrical a little bit more about Michel, uh, the the thing again that stands out for for me with Girona is that uh, I, I was watching them live against Cardiff, and it was almost they were playing a deep block in Cardiff, so it was backs the wall for Cardiff. They went a man down pretty early on. You can kind of imagine what this game looks like. It looks like Manchester City playing somebody. And it was almost as if they weren't acknowledging Caddy's players. They, they weren't acknowledging the opposition as people or, or kind of like a battle. They were just kind of playing and working out kind of the puzzle is, right, okay, where is the space? Where can we find that kind of one-on-one with Savio? Where can we ensure that Kauto gets to the byline? And it was almost as if kind of Alex Garcia was yelling at his teammates. He's telling them to go this way, to go that way. Um, and it, it was really something to watch because, yeah, it, sometimes it looks as if they're not actually playing a different team they're just kind of working out how to beat them um and that's and that, yeah it's it's the closest i've seen to kind of cruyff style football since pep guardiola was in at barcelona yeah fascinating um, and i'll tell you what it doesn't hurt um if you're scoring 91st minute winners against atleti at, with the score locked at 3-3 like ivan martin did so um yeah certainly someone who again he's, he's not a player who was on my radar at all but I suppose if you it, when you're it's similar to the teams I watch on a regular basis when you watch the players who you know the, the water carriers the, the ones who just they, they do the you know it's it's like Ethan Ampadu for Leeds at the moment you know he's somebody who again he's I mean apart from in the FA Cup he doesn't score very many doesn't get too many assists but just you notice it when he's not there or rather you know when he's not at his best so um, yeah, I can I can sympathise with your uh, your fondness for for Ivan Martin there, uh, and I'll certainly be keeping an eye on on him in particular. Um, Rory, is there anything more on on Girona that you feel um, is is necessary to talk about and about this season that they've they've gone through before we uh, before we finish this week's episode? 
Yeah, I guess the um, the interesting thing will be to see if they can kind of keep this up, but also if they can keep coming back because that's been the the feature. I mean, you mentioned that ninety first minute winner against Atleti, but they've come back more than any other side um, in La Liga. I think it's seven times they've gone down and then come back to win those games. So that tells you that there's belief that they can overcome adversity, but it's also a little bit of a, a worrying recipe. I mean. Dali Blint and, and Eric Garcia are two players that benefit them very well in terms of what they do with the ball and how they try and build out from the back and in terms of how they defend facing forward. But as Marata showed against Atleti, if you do get them running back, then you can kind of exploit them a little bit. So I think the interesting thing will be to see if they can maintain this boldness, if Michel makes any adjustments defensively, because they, they are still conceding goals. They're top scorers in La Liga by about six goals over Real Madrid. I think it's 46 or so. And they, they've conceded about 24. So they're kind of going at a rate of about two to one. Um, yeah. But yeah, it'll be it'll be very interesting to see if they can manage those psychological dips because thus far, I mean, the pressure's not really on them right now. But, uh, but yeah, they've managed to basically not pay attention to what's happening either in the league table or on the scoreline whenever they play. So, so yeah, if we can... If they manage to do that for a full season, then Michel is, uh, he might well be the witch doctor or something. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think from what you've, from what you've told us, Ruri, um, they certainly seem well suited to being the chaser rather than the chasee. Um, so as long as they don't, you know, <laughs> as long as they don't do so well that they then go ahead of Real Madrid, <laughs> um, then, you know, maybe not get, maybe getting a bit of um, altitude sickness there. Uh, might throw them off but um, no hopefully not hopefully they they make it a really interesting title race in La Liga this season because it would be you know outside of the big three it would be fantastic to have another team up there um, but yeah thank you very much for, um, for for joining me on the Scouted podcast um, really really enjoyed this chat because Girona is, 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 is a club that will not have been on many people's radars and I think you know many people will have found what you had to say really fascinating the insight um, but um, yeah, it's, if, if you have enjoyed listening to, to Rory and, and hearing what he has to say, um, I'd, I'd definitely say check out Football España. Um, it's the sort of your one-stop shop for, for Spanish football in the English language. Um, and aside from that, Rory, where, where else can, can people find you? Yeah, I mean, uh, on my Twitter at Rory Barlow, I'm sure that, that'll be there. But also, yeah, Road to Nowhere Football is also another podcast that uh, yourself featured on very well, I might add. Um, and uh, and yeah, La Liga Lowdown is the other one that I'm uh, currently on. So yeah, uh, fingers in many pies, as they say. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Well, thank you very much for, for tuning in. This has been the Scouted Podcast on uh, Girona at the top of La Liga. We'll see how long that continues, but uh, bye for now. The Scouted Podcast is brought to you with the support of our friends at Skill Corner, whose tracking data and performance analytics are used by many of the top clubs, leagues and federations around the world. Covering a wide range of global competitions, Skill Corner's data helps customers to make faster, better informed decisions in recruitment, player development and strategy. And we are now using it to support our own analysis of up and coming talent. For more information, visit skillcorner.com.